the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast. We are presented by our friends at BetMGM, the king of sports books. It's time for NFL Best Bets for Divisional Round Weekend. Four games to get to. This week we've got Brandon Anderson, the touchdown better, interception better, Jill Gallant, host of the Touchdown Show, uh, each and every weekend during the football season, and Grant Niefer, who covers props. You can see him on Action Island. Same with Jill. Uh, good to have the crew here for this week. You can find the video version of the podcast if you haven't done so already on our Action Network YouTube page. Please hit subscribe and give the video a like. Also on the audio side, five-star ratings and reviews. Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to download the free award-winning Action Network app for the bets these guys give out today. Anything else they might be on. And uh, you can also... I'm just giving you so many places to find our content. Action Network Discord is the best place to go for live interaction with our analysts. Sean Kerner's in there, most definitely. Kerner's in there giving out his player props like day of game. So Kerner's in there a ton, as well as our other contributors. Hop on in, chat it up with some of the experts and your fellow gambling community. It's a great way to build out a friendship uh, in this space. Last week... In Super Wild Card Weekend, 5-1 and one for the podcast. Show is up to 99-84. and 84. Uh, Up units this year, Jill, a uh, testament to this, Jill's given out touchdown bets at 2-1 to one in some cases. So the record's good. The units are there. Brandon was able to get one of his picks last week at a lower number, had it in the article, so hopefully you got the best number. Uh, that does happen when we record on a Thursday afternoon. And the guys had leans on Kansas City and Miami that both hit. We didn't give them out as official picks. We didn't count it towards the record, but their hunches were correct. As you'd imagine, less games. That means we're just going to do a couple of bets apiece. And we'll start with Grant Niefer. We're going to go in chronological order of the game. So we'll start in Baltimore, Grant, Houston, and the Ravens. Baltimore's laying nine and a half. The total's at 43 and a half. You are going to a a prop. What do you got for us? Yeah, so I'm actually rolling with Devin Singletary over 58 and a half rushing yards. I know that the game script really wouldn't suggest too much that they're going to be running the ball a lot. I mean, Houston's been an interesting team all season when it comes to running backs. Gave Pierce the reins and gave Singletary. Then Pierce came back. Yeah, you know, we'll give him a decent amount. And then now Singletary's clearly taken over the lead back. They don't really want Pierce in there at all. This is Singletary's offense. He's the workhorse back. He's been fantastic. He's hit the over in six of the last seven games, and I think nine out of the last 12 games um two of those games coming when pierce came back and they're like we'll give him some work now pierce is just kind of out of the offense he had a few snaps in the cleveland game but that was when they're way out ahead 58 and a half too low of a line matchup versus baltimore not really the greatest matchup on the ground but it is the worst matchup through the air there's going to be wind there's going to be freezing temperatures it's supposed to be low 20s i think in this game really more lends itself to the ground game in houston while they've been kind of good all season I don't think they're fully recognized how good they are. I know Baltimore has blown out some good teams all season long. They've been great. 
But I think this game's going to stay a little bit more close than the spread would suggest at the moment. And with the low total, four and th- 43 and a half, I think that Houston's going to grind it out on the ground a little bit. I mean, a lot of Stroud success has come through the air. Deep balls to Nico Collins seems like every single week we see a Nico Collins 60-yard touchdown, 70-yard touchdown. Before that, it was Tank Dell. So wind, cold weather is going to make that a little bit tougher. Rely more on the ground game, and Singletary is clearly the guy. I haven't projected for about 10 yards over this number, and I think my projection still might be a little low. So I absolutely love the over in the spot. That number is moving, too. So you want to get this number as soon as possible. Numbers creeping into the 60s and other books, other markets. So be sure to hop on Singletary. Uh, staying in the running game, Jill Gallant, anytime touchdown better. Uh, who might you want to target in this game, Jill? Yeah, I mean, I think it's got to be Gus Edwards, but I would say right now you got to play it above plus 120. But the one thing that's good news, though, is that fair odds for Gus Edwards right now is probably around plus 105. Uh, Speaking with uh, our colleague Nick Giffen, who does the fair expected odds for uh, anytime touchdowns, he has this around plus 110. So getting it at plus 135 is a solid look here for Gus because Gus, I mean, let's start off 13 rushing touchdowns this year. Finished the season strong with 15 red zone carries and three touchdowns over the final four games. And you could even discount that final game against the Steelers because barely any of the starters played. Now, the Texans' defense, they rank second in DVOA versus the run. But I feel like that's kind of overrating what the Texans do between the 20s because when they get into the red zone and opponents do get into the red zone, they've been pretty efficient. And allowing touchdowns as well is kind of what the Texans have been doing. 19 rushing touchdowns allowed this year. That was 29th in the NFL. Edwards is tied for first in the NFL and carries inside the five-yard line with 12 touchdowns. That's second in the NFL as well. So when they get there, it's pretty much Gus's show. Now, when we saw that wild card game against the uh, Browns, I was on Kareem Hunt for an anytime touchdown. And part of this was because when they get into the red zone, that's kind of what when they kind of fold and roll over. And Kareem Hunt, he scored early. He actually scored both of the touchdowns for Cleveland. Not sure if I would have had that pegged as he being the only Brown to score in that game. But again, felt like the cap was on point there. But the Ravens are also a team. They're built to start fast. We've seen many instances where they just put a pounding on teams. They've outscored opponents by an average of 9.6 points per game in first halves this year. Now, obviously, the big risk would be, what about Lamar Jackson? Could he vulture you? I'm kind of doubtful he's going to do that because he's got 30 red zone carries this year, but only five inside the five-yard line. This is his first playoff game in three years due to those injuries and the way that his running style is. So for me, it's not if, it's more when the Ravens get inside the 10-yard line. Gus Edwards is getting the ball. For me, this should be closer to minus 120, but the fact we're getting it at plus 135, I think we got to take this every time. So Gus Edwards, anytime touchdown, is who I like in that opener for divisional round. So is it fair to say that the market, based on what you're saying, tell me if I'm wrong, you're almost saying that the market is not correct on Jackson? Is that fair? Yeah, because – so he has five uh, rushing touchdowns this year, three games basically of the full 16 games that he's played where he's rushed for a touchdown. But we get so allured with Lamar Jackson and what he could break the big run that that's really the instance now when he's scoring those touchdowns. He's not really trying for it inside the 10-yard, inside the five-yard line. And his rushing attempts have slowly started to decrease as the year has gone on, especially in the red zone. So for him as well, they're also getting these big leads so fast, he doesn't need to try to really assert himself in that spot. Because when you have a guy like Gus who will just fall forward for five yards, it feels like almost every time – 
they have to they're not attributing to what he's actually going to bring to that offense comparatively to Lamar. I just think Lamar right now, the anytime touchdown market, because it's a primetime game. Uh, Lamar is a very uh, like he's the MVP favorite. That's why his odds are around plus 105 and plus 110. But I don't think I think those should be closer to about plus 140, given the track record of the way that he's running the football this year. He hasn't had a rushing touchdown since that Lions game back in October, week seven at home. Um, if, if I hate to be the, are you watching the games guy? But yes, you make a good point. Lamar hasn't been in the playoffs in a while. So maybe people that are just tuning in, they're really sinking their teeth into neutral football. If they're not a fan of the Ravens and, and Todd Munkin's done a phenomenal job turning him into a pocket passer and then running when you have to, um, in certain cases, but to your point, they've been winning by so much. And I know a lot of the company is on the Ravens first half, which would bode mm-hmm. well for Gus to pick up carries and just kind of steamroll into the end zone if the Ravens are playing from ahead. So I just think that's a good call out and a good reminder. Like he's such a public guy to want to bet on, but the market's caught up or the market hasn't caught up based on their pricing. It just don't be fooled into that. I think because Munkin's done a really good job implementing a passing game. Brandon Go ahead, please. Uh, One last point I was just going to say, though, is that if Lamar is running for a touchdown early, that's only going to likely help the Gus bet because that likely means the Ravens are rolling. They're going to run the ball more. Good point. Yeah, they they could both hit. It's true. Um, Okay, Brandon Anderson, I know we normally lead with you, but we're going in order. So let's go to Tampa and Detroit. You've got a a play here. What do you have for us? Yeah, I had to get in on the running back fun as well, but I'm going to actually go the other direction. So four games this weekend, we might be getting weather in three of them. The one we know we won't is the game in Detroit. It's inside. You know, don't don't tell Todd Bowles about the game being indoors. He knows it is. Don't ask any reporters strange questions. But I think we're going to get a lot of passing in that game. So I'm going to take Rashad White under 60 and a half rushing attempts in Detroit. So these teams played in Detroit in week six. It's the snoozer, 20 to six terribly boring game the main takeaway is that in that game the teams combined to run 38 times for 86 yards if you look at plays called they called 35 runs combined to 90 passing plays for these teams and I think that's we're going to see a similar script here in that the Bucks have had the number one run defense by DVOA the last six weeks of the season Vita Vea up the middle always tough against the run and the Lions have the number one run DVOA for the entire season. Ali McNeil is back. They've been really good. The Buccaneers are dead last in run block win rate. So they just have no shot to run here. I think we see, you know, we've got these hot young coordinators, uh, Dave Canales for the Bucs, Ben Johnson for the Lions. You're seeing those names a lot in the head coaching searches. Those guys are going to know what's happening here. They're going to abandon the run quickly. I think the Bucs, even more than the Lions, the Lions are much better running. And we're going to see a lot of passing. I'm staying away from a side because I got to say, if we're coming down to the quarterbacks here, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, I don't really know what I'm going to get here, but I don't think we're going to see a lot of running. Rashad White in that Detroit game, seven carries for 26 yards. That was both of those were his lowest total of the season. He's had eight games this year where he's run for 42 yards or less. So when it's not working, they kind of just chuck it and they go to the passing game. We've seen Baker has been, you know, heating up with the YOLO balls all year. and. There's also the script where Detroit just rolls and Detroit's up big. And so what are you going to do? Not run the ball into the line every time we're going to pass the ball some more. So I just see a lot of ways where White just doesn't get the carries. Now, late in the season, White took on more of kind of a workhorse role as carries are up. But that's when the Bucs were winning. Look at the win-loss splits here. Here's how it goes. 
10 times this year, Rashad White's had 17 carries or more, so over this. Nine of those 10 were in wins, six double-digit wins. Bucks are a touchdown underdog here. 15 or less carries eight times this season. Seven of those eight were in losses. So if you look at just Bucks losses, which is what we're expecting here, 12.3 carries for 48 yards for Rashad White. And some of those are real low. For the whole season, he's averaging 3.6 yards a carry. So it's just, it's not working. Like, the Bucks are not about the run game. It's just not what they are. I think 16 and a half is a terrible line. It's only up at one book right now. Take the under there if you got it. 15 and a half is around even odds. So I like that one as well. I would personally make this line more like 13 and a half, which is a huge discrepancy on the line. Uh, but Brandon, you know I love my escalators here. How about a de-escalator? How about we take the escalator oh, yes. down for once? So you got, you got to look around. You got to look for it. See if your books have lines going down. But I mentioned the under 15 and a half carries even money. There's a book out there at under 13 and a half. Remember, that's the line I think it should be. Plus 175. I like that one as well. And if you want to play the rushing yards, under 41 and a half yards, plus 210. Under 30 and a half, plus 500. As with an escalator, just sprinkling along the way there. But I just do not think this is a Rashad White rushing game at all. Maybe the dude catches some passes. He'll be out there. But give me the Rashad White under 16 and a half rushing attempts. Okay. The down escalator. Rare to hear from Brandon Anderson. But uh, <laughs> good points. I think both teams, this is a passing game. Uh, and I think I think you make a good point about the Detroit possibility of blowing them out. Then they're going to have to throw. It, it, Kyron Williams it was the back for the Rams. He had his struggles, broke off a couple. Uh, really interestingly, I wasn't expecting the Rams to really run the ball in the second half because they just couldn't run the ball. They, they weren't productive. So credit to the Lions, as you noted their DVOA numbers. Uh, but Kyron made it a little interesting, and then he never got close to 80, 80 and a half, I think is where his line closed. Just talking yards, not carries. Yeah. This podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And now a quick word from our sponsor, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get a farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Are you too sad from betting wildcard weekend underdogs to leave your house? No problem. With HelloFresh, you skip trips to the grocery store. And unlike betting unders, they make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why they're America's number one meal kit. This time of year, everyone's looking to revamp their eating habits. Look to HelloFresh's wholesome options every week, like their protein smart recipes each week. People say a lot of things, but we know two things are always true. First is you can't rely on passing games in windy conditions. Second, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. HelloFresh agrees with both of these. In fact, they're giving all subscribers free breakfast for life. That means you'll enjoy a totally free breakfast item with every single HelloFresh delivery. So go to HelloFresh.com slash ActionPodFree and use code ActionPodFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash ActionPodFree with code ActionPodFree. 
HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Okay, Grant Niefer. Uh, we're not going to go to a player prop here. We're going to stick to a total in this same game, which is Sunday, by the way. Bucks Lions, first game of the day on Sunday. What do you got? So I'm rolling with Lions over 27 and a half points. You can get this anywhere from minus 104 to minus 115 juice right now on the over. And I was going back and forth between going for the over the entire game and the Lions over. Couldn't quite make a decision. Finally, just went with the one with lower juice and went with the team total for the Lions. But I still like both of them. The Lions in Dome. In the Dome have been just absolutely fantastic going all the way back to the beginning of last season, putting up 30 points per game in a Dome. They've had over this number in 14 of 24, I think, games, 15 of 24 games, something like that. But they've been even better at home. Last season, 33 points per game at home. This season, 30 was brought down a little bit last week where I actually had their over and the over for the game. And I almost – Nick Giffen, who I had it with – uh Almost paid me out in the first quarter, and then that went downhill real quickly. Didn't really have much scoring in the second half for the Lions there. But, yeah, just overall, they have been absolutely fantastic at home. They've been putting up big points. This is a matchup versus Tampa Bay where, like Brandon said, they're probably going to be passing the ball a bit more in this spot. Should lead to bigger game, better game script. A lot more gives on the outside instead of Montgomery up the middle. Can lead to bigger plays. We know Dan Campbell loves to go for it on fourth down. He's going to be aggressive this entire game. Lions in the playoffs, second time and or third game rather in like twenty years. This is going to be a good one. I think it's actually going to be closer than the six and a half point spread currently has there. I mean, maybe the Lions take it away at the end. Um, but this is going to be a high scoring game, and the Lions are going to be putting up a lot of points. I don't mind taking the alt overs all the way up to like thirty five in this spot. I haven't looked at the Lions too much. I can't remember what it is. At 35-plus points, but still, Lions, regular over, great. Even if it moves to 28-and-a-half, it's not nearly as good of a number, but I'd still take it there. Okay. Follow Grant in the app. He'll get back to you. Jill, can I ask you a question? Because I know you don't have a touchdown bet on this game, but what's pretty eye-popping is you see five players around even odds to score a touchdown. Gibbs, Montgomery, White, St. Brown, Evans. I know you haven't put one in the app, but... Can you just give a quick analysis on touchdown betting in this game? Yeah, so, I mean, with the Lions, it's exactly what Grant is looking at. It's Part of it is the implied team total. So they're already implying that scoring is going to happen. The one thing I don't really agree with is necessarily is the pricing on Montgomery and Gibbs, uh, who are around minus 120, maybe minus 110, just with the success rate of the Tampa Bay run defense so maybe one of them might score but right now they're implying that both of them are going to score in this game but you're even seeing as well like Sam Laporta around like plus 150 to plus 160 as well who's walking with like the most bulkiest knee brace you've ever seen and part of it is because of how this defense has been struggling the the Bucks specifically their pass defense so that's why like with Grant he's making a great point with the idea that like the Lions are going to roar at home because Jared Goff playing indoors at home is amazing. He's got three to one touchdown interception ratio since just coming to Detroit with that spot. So I would think that right now, probably most of the scoring is probably going to be going towards the receivers. But I think at this point, because of David Montgomery's history within the 10 yard line and Jameer Gibbs elusiveness as well, especially both scoring last week against the Rams, they couldn't really make the price much higher than that. And then also the implied team total of the Detroit Lions. There's just a higher chance for more touchdowns from that side. Mike Evans. Look, he started off the season around plus 160. They just 
they had to adjust. They just they can't do it now because um, you want to talk about YOLO balls. Like that's pretty much what Tampa Bay and and Baker has been doing all year with 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 uh, Mike Evans. So now books are just too tired of getting beaten by listing a plus one sixty five or a plus one seventy for him. That now they're just like, look, we have to put it at plus one twenty. We can't budge on it because Baker has shown that no matter what happens, he is going to look for Mike Evans down the field, and he probably should have scored last week against the Eagles. He dropped one. Okay, the the, the hero balls as you mapped out earlier, but right over a. <clears throat> go, Brandon, Brandon, you got go in, ahead. Yeah, yeah. Let me jump in too, just to say I actually do have a touchdown bet in this one that's going to go in my every game article. I do like Mike Evans. You guys have heard me talk about Mike Evans, I think, before on the touchdowns. Yeah. There's a plus one forty out there at one book. He scored in eleven out of eighteen games. Uh, Mike Evans, when you heard me talk about him first this year, was our before the season pod when we got him at sixty to one to lead the league in receiving touchdowns. And we did split that with Tyreek Hill, but that's been a guy that I've been watching all season because of that. And the guy just scores every week. Lions have allowed 22 receiving touchdowns to wide receivers. That's third most in the NFL. So I just think that you can't put there anything above even odds. And again, I like Grant's pick on on the over here. He talked about lines over, game over. We're going to see passing. Like the, the Bucks are going to have to try to find some points here. And the Lions don't really have anyone that should be able to cover Evans. So I like that one. One note also on the Detroit running backs, just you're not too thrown off. I mentioned how the running was so low last time. In the previous meeting, I believe Gibbs was out, and then Montgomery got hurt mid-game, and we were down to just Craig Reynolds. So I do think Detroit will run some a little, but I wouldn't necessarily go so far away from Detroit rushes or Detroit running touchdowns uh, just based on that analysis earlier, more of a Tampa thing. But I just wanted to clarify that since I had talked about it as both sides. Yeah, I know we're a best bets podcast, but I think the analysis, even on plays you might not be making, or in your case, Brandon, that you are making is is helpful for people to make decisions this week, uh, because it's not necessarily about volume, but there's also the argument as to why you might not want to touch something. You don't have to bet everything this weekend. I think that's a common lesson that is big this time of year with just four games. We're working backwards. We're going to get to Packers and Niners here in just a second, but just because we're not going to give picks, you guys are not going to give picks on this game. Chiefs and Bills, Brandon, you teased it. You'll have the any time, uh, any game, every game. What is it again? How do you, what's the title again? I apologize. Oh, that's every game, every team article. It goes up on Friday. Every game, every team. I was ready to say any time thinking touchdowns. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Brandon, you do have a lean or two on KC Buffalo. Yeah, just a couple quick ones. One of them I won't even make the case for because you heard it a couple weeks ago. Unfortunately, in a week that it didn't hit. But give me the Josh Allen touchdown. Josh Allen, I believe, finished third in rushing touchdowns. Anytime touchdown odds are even for him. He scored in 13 out of 18 games so far. He had one in the playoff game last week. He's had nine touchdowns last seven games, including one against the Chiefs. So I like that. He's going to find the end zone. We're going to see points in that game. Uh, he two touchdowns is plus 600 if you want to do that escalator as well there so I like Allen touchdown best and then if you've got it I looked and one thing I played when these teams played about six weeks ago is all six times we've had Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen what do you envision when you think of that game you think of late in the game back and forth get a you know a field goal here a touchdown here like we're gonna get that chess match late both teams have scored in every fourth quarter, all six matchups when these teams have played each other. So you look under, look deep in the books, but look under the fourth quarter tab, 
And a lot of times you can bet both teams to score in the quarter, yes or no. It's around minus 160, so you're paying a lot. But six for six that we've hit on this one, I think this stays close throughout. I don't really know who's going to win. I would lean Bills on the game. But right at a field goal, I think that's basically about the right line. I do think both teams score late, and we get that that always at the end. Who, who's got the ball last, right? Someone's going to score. Someone's going to have a chance to respond at the end. Maybe we finally get our first overtime, the, you know, the, literally the rule that got put into place because of these teams the last time we saw them. So I like the both teams to score in the fourth quarter around minus 160, 170, if you've got that as well. Okay, back to Jill. Uh, touchdown angles and something I wanted to pick your brain about too, and I couldn't believe it when I saw it. The, the price has moved since from earlier in the week, but Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes to throw picks at even money. Josh Allen has not thrown a pick in only four games this year, including the playoffs. That does include the Pittsburgh game. But that got me thinking, why is that priced that way? And then also maybe touchdown angles, Jill, for this game. Uh, likely just because pass attempts may be down depending on weather. But again, I think the other thing too is that both of these teams are going to be in gotta have it mode in second half. They're going to be throwing more. And both of these teams were top five in INT per dropback rate and can get to the quarterback. So I'm not really too worried about, uh, you know, the gotta have it part. I would look at them as well. I mean, the fact that they're both plus money, I uh, should tell you something, especially that, um, they were both finished top three in profits for interception props this year. If you yep. would just bet one unit on each of them. Uh, but from a long shot perspective, so last week I was on Noah Gray for an anytime touchdown. Um, and part of it was just about the same handicap that you would make for Travis Kelsey is pretty much the same handicap you could do with Noah Gray. Like they were both struggling against tight ends. Now, neither ended up scoring because neither really had to. Uh, but in this game, I think the Chiefs are going to have to throw a little bit more. Um, and I'm looking at a long shot. I'm going at Justin Watson around plus 550. So part of the reason why I want Watson over, say, somebody like Marcus Veldez-Scantling, another one who will be able to get deep uh, at like plus 850 is, so the Bills this season, one of the things that they can be beat on is a little bit is the deep pass. They were 23rd in DVOA to the deep pass and 25th in DVOA to the wide receiver too. And right now, the way that the Chiefs offense is staggering up, Justin Watson has ended up now in that wide receiver two role uh, <laughs> behind Rasheed Rice. And for me, he's also had a lot of flashes of success for versus both man and zone coverage because the Bills are one of the few defenses. They're kind of middle of the pack on both. They play a mix of both like quite often. And MVS, that's the one thing that you can use to immediately eliminate him. He hasn't been successful versus either defense, whereas at least Justin Watson, you've seen his yards per route run, his ADOC go up. If they're in a trailing game script in the second half and they need to move the ball down the field, Justin Watson is one of those few players that I know that can get open down the field, especially with Patrick Mahomes, who I feel is still one of the few quarterbacks that in those gotta-have-it moments could buy time in the pocket with his legs to be able for the Rose receivers to get downfield. So Justin Watson is who I'm looking at for a long shot at uh, plus 550. But uh, Brandon, I'm probably going to have to go against you, dude. I'm kind of looking at James Cook for an anytime touchdown right now. I haven't logged it yet. It's around plus 155. And part of the reason why I'm looking at him isn't necessarily that I'm disagreeing with you on the Josh Allen part, because I feel like when they need to have it, Josh Allen is getting the ball inside the 10-yard line. But the part of the reason why I wanted Cook here is because 
well, A, he should have had a touchdown last week against the Steelers. He dropped one in the end zone. But right. over the over the last few weeks, you've started to see his role increase as the Bills have shifted their offense to more of a running attack. And so he had 18 red zone touches over the last five games coming into that wild card game. And he did score against the Chiefs when they played earlier this year, finishing with five catches and 83 yards. But another reason, too, is that this Chiefs defense, they're 27th in DVOA versus the run, but they're also 23rd in DVOA versus running backs as receivers. So that was part of the reason why, okay, if he's going to be catching the passes out of that backfield, that's who I would look at from a James Cook perspective. Now, I will say, definitely not sexy odds around plus 145, one plus 55, and it's a super frustrating player to bet because you know that inside the five-yard line, if he doesn't do it on the first down, Josh Allen is for sure doing it on the second down. So that's the thing, but what I would just say, but I'm willing to have a short-term memory and just say, okay, James, James Cook, let's do it again, and let's make it happen again against the Chiefs. So that's what I would just say is that I think Josh Allen is going to score again this week, but I also think that James Cook is being undervalued a little bit based on his role in this offense. All right. Very good. Good stuff. Grant, I, I haven't gone to you in a bit. Do you have anything to add on this game? Anything you, you're leaning towards, or is it kind of a stay-away game? Because like Brandon said, who knows where this one goes? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to kind of wait and see where the weather is going to end up yeah. at probably tomorrow. I'll look into it a yeah. little bit more. That can kind of determine things quite a bit. As of right now, I'm mostly stay-away, potentially looking at the under in that one. But right now, there's nothing that's really stood off the page to me that I really want to have in that game. Okay. Very good. That is Sunday night, by the way. Let's work back in time. So apologies. <laughs> we started chronologically, but we're going to work backwards. Uh, back to Saturday evening, Green Bay, San Francisco. We'll go back to Jill. You do have an anytime touchdown bet that you've already put in the app and you want to give it out here. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to go with Jaden Reed for plus at plus 220 for a touchdown with the Packers. Now, Jaden Reed, he led the Packers with 10 touchdowns this year, eight receiving, two rushing, very versatile rookie player. He leads all Packers receivers with 20 red zone touches. But the key part here is that he plays in the slot the most of any Packers wide receiver, even over Dontavian Wicks. And I've been banging this drum all year about how the way that, I guess if there's one weakness for this 49ers defense this year, it's shifty slot speed receivers getting the touchdowns this year. So here's some of the guys who have had success versus this Niners defense this year. You have Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, Devontae Smith, Tyler Boyd, Christian Kirk. They What do they have all in common? They all line up in the slot at a 50% rate or higher. And you could even go back, Mike Evans, if we're talking about the Buccaneers again, when he scored a touchdown on this defense, lined up in the slot. Terry McLaurin typically lines up outside. That time that he scored a touchdown on them, he lined up in the slot. So again, the speedy slot receivers are the ones who have been having the most success on this defense. Now, another reason why we like Reed is how he fares versus zone coverage, because the Niners actually play zone at above a league average rate. And Reed, Reed has actually seen his metrics go up like yards per route run, a dot, first read target percentage, all of that kind of just starts to skew up when he's playing against zone defense as opposed to man coverage. Um, he's also one of the two Packers wide receivers to have a little bit of su- success versus zone this year. The other is Romeo Dobbs. Now, Romeo Dobbs completely just had the game of his life last week against the Cowboys. And right now he's around plus 250 to plus 260. I'm not saying I don't like Dobbs, but the main caveat with Dobbs is that 
He mainly lines up outside. He rarely comes into the slot part here. So for me, Jaden Reed at plus 220 would be my favorite Packer to bet in that divisional round game. Did I see that you put Jordan Love in there as well? That was actually the first bet right after uh, the Monday night game. Nick and I were sitting in the Action Network studios and office, and we're looking at it, and we're already starting to look at upcoming week odds. And we see the uh, 49ers Packers odds. And I, I look to him, I'm like, dude, Jordan Love is 12 to 1 right now. We should be locking this in. Typically, he's 8 to 9. He didn't even look at his projections or fair odds. He just goes, yep, that's stupid odds. We need to lock that in right now. So pretty much, I think it was just a squad ride. I think everybody in the office pretty much locked it in at that point. Uh, so we're all in it on Jordan Love at 12 to 1 to score a touchdown. That's great. Well, I'm glad we, we got the uh, the input there. On the subject of the Packers, we do have a side uh, that someone's betting uh, this week, and that would be Brandon Anderson. And where might you be going, sir, in Packers Niners? Well, you know, I got my 49ers jersey on, so you know how this goes. Give me the Green Bay Packers, plus 10, 9.5 if you need it, where it's at at most books. Jill, I hope Jordan Love scores a touchdown. I hope Jaden Reed scores a touchdown. I hope Dontavian Wicks gets in there. Let's get touchdowns for everybody. This was my upset pick of the week. This was my hot read at plus 10. Try to get that key number if you can. And look, I'll just say up front, there's certainly a chance this could just go terribly. Joe Barry, the defense, not good. That's not my cap here. The Niners could just come out and drop 40 or 50. You feel dumb. We move on. We get the next one. That's possible. I don't think that Cowboys game was a fluke. And sorry, Jill, to bring that one up. But we all watched that. Cowboys okay. took a lot of the blame there for their defense. But this is not new for the Packers. Week 18, the Packers played the Bears. And that was effectively a game where the Bears were team. I was on this podcast week after week backing the Bears. They were red hot down the stretch. They were top five team down the stretch. And statistically, the Packers demolished the Bears. That was probably the most impressive week 18 takeaway I had was the Packers offense. Week before, Packers played my Vikings. I watched the game closely. That was basically a playoff game in Minnesota. And the the Vikings defense have been great all season. And Jordan Love shredded them. This Packers offense is not a one-week thing. That was about the Cowboys, but it's about the Packers too. Jordan Love, since week nine, has gone from second to worst completion over expectation to second best in the NFL. He's jumped to top three by EPA, top three by PFF grade. He has basically played MVP ball since week nine. During that span, Packers offense is number two in DVOA. They're behind the Niners, but these are the top two offenses in that span. Top five run, top five pass. They've run the ball well. And Jill, you mentioned for the 49ers, their weakness. Another weakness, they're kind of just average against the run. They can be run on. Aaron Jones, four straight games, at least 20 carries, at least 110 yards. Green Bay is second in pass block win rate. So that's going to be important against Nick Bosa and Chase Young. But Jordan Love, we've seen that back foot throw, right? I think he can create time and get the passes off. Niners corners, not that great. It's a system thing. But if you can get some time, all those Green Bay weapons, I think they are beatable. So I think the Packers score here. The Niners defense has been way worse at home this season. They're second in DVOA on, on the road. They're 19th at home. So I don't think it's probably that stark, but they have been much worse at home. They're much worse early in the game. Green Bay, I think if they get the coin toss, takes the ball, just like they did against Dallas. They want to go out, get the lead, put the pressure on. You always think the one seeds here. We always assume, oh, they're, they're the juggernaut. They're rested. They're going to roll. 
And the pressure is all on that team, right? Packers are playing with house money. This is a super young team. They're not even supposed to be in the playoffs. They certainly weren't supposed to win last week. They got no pressure on them. The longer this stays close, the more the pressure goes on. And don't forget, the last time we really saw the Niners play an actual game of football, that was Christmas night against Baltimore. And we saw the absolute meltdown. Brock Purdy, MVP favorite, goes to MVP nothing, four interceptions. They played Washington the next week. That's a scrimmage. They sat week 18. They sat out last week. What happens if you come out in the first quarter and Brock Purdy sails a pass or throws a pick early on? That's like the last memory you have is this giant failure to end the season that could have cost them the one seed, cost them the MVP chances. How does Purdy respond? How does Shanahan and the play calling respond? I think there's some real stakes there. Packers don't make a lot of mistakes, even though they're young. They are the lowest in the NFL at sacks and turnovers per game. I think in-game, Matt LaFleur against Cal Shanahan, that's an advantage I'll take in-game. We saw with McVay some of those similar mistakes about clock management, about how the game script goes. And then, you know, I got my trends here. Trends are what brought me on this in the first place. Matt LaFleur, 21-10 and 10 ATS as an underdog, 68%. And then I mentioned the one seed, and Brandon, we talked about this last week. This was the look ahead last week. What did we say? You back the home teams in the division round, or sorry, in the wild card round. You fade the one seeds, the rested one seeds in the uh, division round here. So here are the numbers. Division round only, last two decades. Home favorites, 42% ATS. Just the one seeds, 35% ATS. And if you look at one seeds favored by 10 or less, those teams are 10, 25, and 1 against the spread. 29% cover rate. Two decades worth we have of data. Only twice in two decades have both one seeds covered this round and won. Eight times, neither one of them has covered. And that's where I'm leaning here this weekend. One seeds are failing to cover by over two points a game. So you're basically paying a two-point tax. You want to bet on the 49ers here. We're getting two free points to bet on the Packers. I've heard a lot of analysis this week say, ah, well, this line wouldn't be only 10 points if it was before the Packers or before the Packers beat up on the Cowboys. I think that's the wrong direction. I think the Packers have been so good late in the year that this line is already too long and it's not giving enough respect to what Green Bay has become late. It's putting too much analysis on what they were early on. So a couple other trends, division round home teams on a one game losing streak. That's the Niners. They lost in week 18. Those teams are three and 15 against the spread. Three and 15, 17%. And then road division teams that missed the playoffs this round 27 and 13, 68%. And by the way, every one of those trends I just listed, except the Matt LaFleur one, they go for the Texans against the Ravens too. So that's not my pick here. It's the Packers. Saturday, if you can believe it, is National Cheese Lovers Day. Give me some cheese. Give me the Packers plus 10, plus nine and a half. I think they could win this thing if the Niners let them hang around. Jill, great. You guys smell that? I smell a cheese fort in the North Dakota borough right now. I can smell it through my screen recording this podcast. Cheese? Holy crap. All in on the Packers now. Where's DeBundo when you need him with the cheese head for Brandon, for crying out loud? We should have passed that along. He was on last week's episode. DeBundo left us. I wish he shipped that cheese head off to North Dakota for for Brandon. Well, uh, so you like the Packers this week. There is a look ahead for this week, and I wonder where this is going, Brandon. 
You know what? We, we got to go with an escalator here. It's Packers season here in North Dakota. Look, Green Bay is actually the second closest geographic team other than the Vikings here in Fargo. So I thought about just driving around to like a hardware <laughs> store. I, I bet I could found a cheesehead somewhere in town here. I might have to do it if this look ahead hits here. I'm taking the Packers, Packers escalator all the way. So Packers cover the 10, nine and a half. It's close late. Who do you want? Brock Purdy or Jordan Love? I want Jordan Love. Brock Purdy's done a lot of good things, but Jordan Love is the quarterback that looks the part right now. The pressure all goes on San Fran. Niners got a rookie kicker. That could matter. We come down to a late game. Division round underdogs of 7 to 11 points are 12 and 23 straight up. You take those dogs, you have a 52% ROI on the money line. 52%. Matt LaFleur, 17 and 12 straight up as an underdog. 50% ROI. Highest of every coach that coached this season. So, we're ready to take the escalator. We're going to take the money line, Packers plus 360. That's implied 22%. I think it should be at least 25, 30%, maybe higher. But you got to think ahead here. You can't just take the money line. What happens if the Packers win? Okay, well, we know what happens. They play either Detroit or Tampa. All right. We already played Green Bay in, in Detroit. We saw it on Thanksgiving. We all watched Green Bay dominated in Detroit. We all saw that game. That is a team that could absolutely go to Detroit and win. If it's Green Bay-Tampa, I don't know. I kind of think the Packers are favored in that game. They're certainly going to be not much of an underdog, and I think a lot of people will be on the Packers in that game. So if they win this one, Dallas is already out. The one seed goes out. Why wouldn't they just win the next game too? 10-1 to Green Bay Packers to win the NFC and get to the Super Bowl. Don't forget, here's the quarterbacks left in the NFC. Brock Purdy. Baker Mayfield, we got, uh, who am I forgetting? Jared Goff and Jordan Love. Right now, it is very clear which quarterback you want out of those four. How often do you get the best quarterback, the most important player on the field, four teams left, 10 to 1 odds. Give me the Packers ticket to make the Super Bowl. And I don't think they'll win if they get there. But if they do, Packers are 30 to 1 to win it all. You at least have to get that ticket also. If nothing else, You've got a 30-to-1 ticket on the Super Bowl money line underdog. If nothing else, you can hedge away. You can hedge, play the other side, lock in your profits, skip the game entirely, watch the commercials, and count your money. I'm taking the full Packers escalator. If they pull this off, I'm probably going to have to go buy the cheese head. Packers, money line, 360. Packers, NFC, 10-to-1. Packers, Super Bowl, 30-to-1. You know, nibbling on the way up. Just nibble the cheese. But let's take Packers all the way. Wow. Andy wore a Niners jersey, folks, on the podcast. Those those of you that are listening. Um, all right. Jordan Love, 33 to 1 Super Bowl MVP. Another little escalator added to it. You know, I looked at that, but the Super I mean, Bowl. He's already, a, he's to already one, 28 so. to 1 to win the Super Bowl. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I looked at that. I didn't know if someone <laughs> suggest an Aaron Jones MVP that's like 260 to 1 or something. If I'm going to do the, the further escalator on MVP, I think I'd rather take something like that jones is so good for that team and so important he gets a game like last week where he steals mm-hmm. the three touchdowns and gets some yards late i think i'd rather if i'm escalating take something that's a real real long shot like that I, you know obviously we know quarterbacks win mvp so love is the likely candidate there but to me the extra you know couple couple uh cents on the dollar there basically is not quite the risk i'd rather just do the super bowl ticket but you know what i 
why how I can't be angry if we're nibbling cheese, let's nibble all the way. Let, let's we take it like a defensive player or, or like the like Anders Carlson, the kicker. How about that for Super Bowl MVP? Let's just go all in here. Kidding. That's not the real thing. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if we get Packers Lions in the NFC title game, that is some good eating. That is some good cheesy eating. Um I think <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up with that. Because uh we went a little long, but that was that was worth the time. But when you put it that way with the four quarterbacks remaining, hard to argue without Jordan Love's playing right now in that offense, nothing to lose. House money, youngest team to make the playoffs in league history. That is going to do it here on the Action Network podcast for our NFL Divisional Round Best Bets episode presented by our friends at BetMGM. Don't forget to download the free award-winning Action Network app. Maybe Grant and Jill, they hop hop aboard this uh, cheese train. When Brandon comes out with the article, just keep an eye out for it. It's coming in the Action app. Track your own picks as well. And, of course, as I mentioned earlier, check out the Action Network Discord server to chop it up with experts as well as your friends. Best of luck with all of your bets this weekend. For Brandon Anderson, Jill Gallant, Grant Neifer, Brendan Glasheen, thanks for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. Enjoy Divisional Round Weekend. Best of luck. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.